fighting soldiers from the sky. Fearless men who jump and die. Men who mean just what they say. The brave men of the Green Beret. Silver wings upon their chest. These are men, America's best. One hundred men will test today, but only three win the Green Beret. Trained to live off nature's land. Trained in combat, hand to hand. Men who fight by night and day. Courage take from the Green Beret. Silver wings upon their chest. These are men, America's best. One hundred men. We'll test today, but only three win the Green Beret. Back at home, a young wife waits. Her Green Beret has met his fate. He has died for those oppressed, leaving her. This last request, put silver wings on my son's chest. Make him one of America's best. He'll be a man. They'll test one day. Have him win. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is J.R. Moore coming to you live from deep in the mountains of the Missouri Ozarks on Wednesday. It is Wednesday, the 28th day of February, year of our Lord, 2024. Welcome to the John Moore Show. We begin live broadcast right now at Republic Broadcasting, coming out of beautiful Round Rock, Texas, with my show, the John Moore Show. And we do begin my show, I'm proud to say, with the Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, prayers are requested for Deputy Hendricks. He's still recovering from surgery. He suffered an accident and uh, had uh, part of his uh, left foot, left foot, uh, his left large left toe amputated because of that accident. So he's in a recovery stage, and he's most likely listening. And good morning, Deputy Hendricks. In the meantime, everybody stand, face the flag, gentlemen. Remove your hats, right hand over the heart. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Prepper tip today, I've given this for a while, but uh, I was reminded of it recently, a couple of uh, different ways. Uh, a friend of mine, for example, and the prepper tip today is to get your dental work all taken care of. A friend of mine, he, uh, he, was, he was helping me to go to the Dominican Republic to meet with a uh, consultation client. I hadn't heard from him in a while. I was getting concerned about him. It turned out he thought he had a stroke, but it wasn't a stroke. It was a consequence of a uh, tooth gone bad. Um, and um, this can uh, these dental issues can really, quite frankly, be deadly. Um, and uh, abscess tooth. 
I had a regular guest for a, about a year or so up in Canada near the Arctic Circle. He died as a consequence of an abscessed tooth and the uh, very defective Canadian healthcare system. He was a great guy, and um, I, we uh, sorely miss him. But um, once again, another fatality due to two things in his case: the Canadian dental, the Canadian health system, and an abscessed tooth. In the modern age, no no excuse for somebody to have. Uh, death from an abscess tooth. There simply is not. And quite frankly, we have a couple minutes because Bill Federer uh, has to catch a plane this morning. He can't be with us. So uh, we'll continue this in a little more detail. Um, Dental work right now is quick and easy to get. Is it expensive? It can be. There's not many things I recommend going into debt for, but this is one of them. uh, during a crisis, you're not going to have very quick or easy access to dental work, no matter how bad it is. It, it it may be or it may not be, depending on where you are, obviously. So, get that. Don't don't put it off. Get the dental work caught up and taken care of now while you can. If you have to go into debt, I'm not talking about cosmetic dental work. I'm talking about dental work to keep your your mouth healthy, keep you healthy. You have to go into debt to do that then quite frankly, go ahead and do it. It's certainly worth it because it, it, could, it could literally be a matter of life and death. There aren't many things that you can incur debt for that are a matter of life and death. This is certainly one of them. We talk a lot about health here in the John Moore Show. Uh, we have Dr. Horowitz. We uh, talk Tuesdays uh, with Steve Ben-Noon about the LifeWave products. We have my friend, Dr. Huff. Uh, health comes up here and there with other guests. Um, Professor McCanny talks about health occasionally. And uh, it, it's, there's different ways to look at the health of, of Americans. One would be the uh, longevity of Americans. Uh, the longevity, longevity of uh, the, the people of the world is quick and easy to find with a, a uh, internet search these days. I haven't looked at it for a, a couple of months, but uh, we're right around, well, I think 49 or 50 uh, from the top of, uh, in terms of our, our American men and women uh, living a, a good long life, which means there's more than 40 countries where people, on the average, live longer than Americans do. I think it was uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. who mentioned the uh, the health of our of our children and how, how horrible it is and uh, what what have we done to ourselves the uh, cost per person for medical care in this country is twice as much as the nearest country whatever that might be I don't know offhand easily twice as much there's more money spent per person per year on medical care in the United States than any country on the planet so why are we uh, more than 40 countries behind the top one, the top 40 or so in longevity. Well, in many investigations, and I've, I became a, a professional investigator beginning, beginning in 1973, more than half a century ago. And of course, before that, I was an intelligence analyst, which quite frankly involves investigative work also, depending on the, on the assignment. 
many investigations, you look at two things. What's the same and what's different? What's the same and what's different? And uh, when it comes to the health of Americans compared to the rest of the planet, we can easily do that. Compare what's the same with what's different. Primarily, we're going to be looking at food and interaction with the uh, medical establishment. Uh, in much of the world, if you go south of our border, for example, you can get over-the-counter uh, various medications you know, without a prescription that in the United States require a prescription for you to get them. In many countries, I can't say how many, advertising of pharmaceutical products on television, radio, magazines, newspapers is illegal. You simply can't do it. It's against the law. Now, there's, there's a something to take a look at. Look at the, uh, the country where the people live the longest and what their medical establishment does and what they don't do. Look at the... Uh, health of the children in the healthiest country compared to our health children and compare the vaccines of those children in the two countries. We're up to, what, 72 vaccines now before a child reaches the age of 18? Come on, really, 72 vaccines? I know my generation, I'm a baby boomer born in 1947. Uh, typically, we would get the... Uh, uh, tuberculosis vaccine, which I don't, I'm not aware of any harm done by that. If there is, I'm not aware of it. And, of course, the big deal in the early to mid-1950s was the polio vaccine, which was a complete farce, by the way. My wife, Dr. Moore, was just the right age to get the polio vaccine. This would have been the, the uh, late 1950s uh, or so that was contaminated with cancer virus. She did die of breast cancer. Uh, I don't know if that was a cause. I, I, I would say there's a high likelihood that it was the cause. We quite frankly have a real epidemic of cancer among the baby boomers who got that polio vaccine in the late 1950s that had the cancer virus in it. So what can we do? I know my listeners are exceptional. They're extraordinary Americans. One of the things that separates my listeners from the rest of, of most of the rest of America, not all, but most of the rest of America, is that listeners to the John Moore Show actually own and read books. Now, 50 years ago, that wouldn't be very acceptable and not very extraordinary at all. But in 2024, it is extraordinary because most Americans most of the time do not buy, own, or read books. They simply don't do it. According to the American Library Association, 3% of American adults have a library card. According to the American Library Association, half of those, which would be 1.5%, only use their library cards for light entertainment reading. It's pretty dismal. I recall reading that when uh, there was a, a debate taking place in, in England in the, I think it was in the mid, middle of the 19th century, I don't recall the exact decade, maybe in the 1840s or 1860s, the exact year doesn't matter, a debate going on about whether they should or should not have public libraries open to the general public. This here's was a concern. 
once the general public finds out what we've done to them, they'll revolt. They'll, they'll revolt. They'll have, there'll be a rebellion. Well, obviously, they went ahead and opened the public libraries. And uh, just like the United States, most British people did not uh, go to the library to read the things that would inform them about what their own government had been doing to them for decades. So there was no rebellion. And life was, life was grand, wasn't it? Same thing here. United States. Everything you know to educate yourself about the true history of this country, what these, what our governments have been doing for the past, well, going back to the Civil War, I guess, would be a good starting point, or maybe at the end of the Andy Jackson um, term, presidential term, what they've been doing for all these, more than a century. All the information's there, but you have to go seek it out and look for it, don't you? We've been lied to, and uh, I recall two films, uh, one's a trilogy, one's a standalone movie. Uh, one film that really impressed me is it's part humor and part serious, the film titled Idiocracy. There's a couple of subplots going on there. The, the basic premise is the consequences of the United States uh, Encouraging low IQ, low productive people to be the most productive in terms of having children and discouraging the high IQ, high productive people from having children at all. The consequences of that after a couple of hundred years. It's, uh, it's funny, it's entertaining, it's also very sad because to a certain extent that's what's taking place here. The other film, it's a trilogy, the, the Matrix series. When I watched the first one, about halfway through it, I thought to myself, how did this ever get released to the public? If you haven't seen the, the Matrix uh, trilogy, I, I encourage you to do so. Uh, the premise of that film is that uh, in the future, centuries into the future, the human beings have basically become a power source for AI. Uh, we have become batteries, in other words. And the world that the people that are producing electricity, they're, they think they're alive um, and working and living and having fun and so forth in a normal world when, in fact, it's all an AI matrix. And I know from, from, from my personal knowledge, my personal experience, that you know, to a certain extent, the world we live in is a make-believe matrix. A lot of what we see in uh, most human beings see and accept as being true and real is in fact fantasy. It really is. Uh, I'll do a segue here. Um, this is the 28th day of February. Uh, we were in the about the fourth week of the Tet Offensive in 1968, which I was part of. Uh, by the 28th of February, we knew we were, we were winning. Actually, by the fourth or fifth day, we knew we were going to win. The first three days, it was kind of, kind of iffy, quite frankly. But that was my introduction into the Matrix, quite frankly. I arrived in Vietnam the first week of, Jan of September 1967 as a young, when I say young, I've been in high school 15 months, a 20-year-old intelligence analyst 
assigned to the Psychological Operations Battalion down in the Mekong Delta in, in a city of one million people called Kanto, C-A-N-T-H-O, the uh, uh, capital city of, of the Fourth Corps. And within the first 72 hours of being there, my friends that I was, my new friends I was making in military intelligence, they, they were telling me, John, there's this Chinese New Year celebration that, that, that it's called Tet, T-E-T. takes place near the end of January. And it's going to be a major attack by the Viet Cong during that uh, celebration, the Tet felt celebration. So that was my heads up the first week of September 1967. My job as an intelligence analyst meant that Monday through Friday, I, first thing in the morning, I attended the secret briefing at the Fourth uh, Corps headquarters there in Canto, which was a previously had been a French Foreign Legion uh, uh, facility, by the way. It was interesting structure, interesting architecture. And I would, on my way back to the battalion, I would pick up documents, classified documents, from the CIA from uh, Rand Corporation, from military intelligence, and other classified documents, uh, National Security Agency, um, and so forth. And I would spend most of the day reading those documents, and then I would write the uh, the intelligence summary for the months. And I also brief my commander. I get back. First thing I do would be brief my commander uh, about the uh, secret briefing that I attended. I I took careful notes and gave brought him up to speed on what was going on. So all during that fall, September, October, November, December, we kept getting more reports of the Viet Cong buildup, the training, increased training, the increased supplies of weapons they were getting. The something I, I still remember to this day, the men who built coffins in the, in the towns all around the Mekong Delta were building stacks and stacks of coffins uh, as another indicator that they were getting ready for a major battle. The Viet Cong, uh, it gave them peace of mind knowing that there was a coffin waiting for them if they got killed in battle. At the same time, officially, U.S. Army was saying uh, to our men and to the public, in fact, General Westmoreland, General William S. Westmoreland, gave his famous light at the end of the tunnel speech before a joint session of Congress in December 1967. For those who don't know, it's highly unusual for anybody to give a speech before a joint session of Congress. And in that speech, he he told, if I can paraphrase, the, uh, the Congress, the United States Senate, and the House of Representatives that... The Viet Cong are essentially defeated on the battlefield and no longer mount a credible offensive. The victory is near. And he did say that there was a light at the end of the tunnel. That's why that speech has been, been, has been come to be called. We have a break. Call him 512-248-8252. We'll back.
Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-965-9113. DrinkSuperTea.com Hey there, are you going to wait till the cows come home to get your new Ease-Off Drop and Lift? What in the world is an Ease-Off Drop and Lift? Our Ease-Off is a new tool to increase production for your meat processing company that will get that whole hog or half a beef on or off your rail with our remote control. That sounds great, but can I afford it? Sure, and the Ease-Off installs fast. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue, speed up your line, and increase profits. Okay, I'm convinced. Where can I get my Ease-Off? Go to easeoff.com. That's E-A-Z-E-O-F-F dot com. And hurry, because we're offering free shipping for a limited time. Easeoff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. Easeoff, LLC, 417-932-6419. No phone, no lights. No overflow, not a single luxury. Like Robinson Caruso, it's primitive as can be. Don't be a victim. Is your home and car protected from an EMP event? Or will you be a victim? EMP Shield will protect your home, car, or generator from the damaging effects of an electromagnetic pulse and lightning. Folks, this is the exact equipment the Department of Defense uses to protect their infrastructure, and each unit comes with $25,000 of insurance coverage. To get a $50 discount on each unit purchased, go to thelibertyman.com. That's thelibertyman.com. Or call the toll-free order line 24 hours a day, 800-592-9543. That's 800-592-9543. Don't be a victim. There's a point, 7,000 RPM, where everything fades. The machine becomes weightless, just disappears. And all that's left is a body moving through space and time. 7,000 RPM. That's where you meet it. You feel it coming. Creeps up on you close in your ear. Ask you a question. The only question that matters.
are you? All right, we're back, ladies and gentlemen. My website is thelibertyman.com. You want to get up to speed on the COVID vaccination clot shots? My COVID panel has more than 200 articles and videos. I've got my IT guy going through to get rid of the broken links. Uh, some of these have been up there for oh, like three years. And um, more, very recently, uh, Dr. Teresa Long, Lieutenant Colonel Dr. Teresa Long, medical doctor with the U.S. Army, did a half-hour video where she summarizes uh, some of the things that have been going on, including the uh, falsified medical records to cover up what's really going on the uh, uh, situation. And it looks like we have uh, with us my friend Bill Federer. Good morning, Bill. Hey, good morning. I apologize. I'm in a car going to the airport. And- well, good for you, sir. Uh, you're on, the, on your way to the airport. And, uh, Bill, I, I got a question I want to ask you. Out of the two dozen plus books you've written if a person want to get started with your work uh, to understand uh, basically u.s history what would be the first book of, of yours that they should buy sir oh you're kind john uh, who was the king in america who was the king in america okay i'll make a note of that and um uh, okay okay and that's available at your website which is americanminute.com AmericanMinute.com. Okay. Who was the king of America? That's fascinating. Who, who is the king? Oh, who and, is the king? Who is yeah, the king? Got it. Yeah, okay. it's, it's the people. So I go through where uh, all the world history is kings and it's top-down government. And uh, they keep getting bigger because with the latest military advancements, kings can kill more people. So instead of king killing Abel with a rock, they can kill with bronze weapon or iron weapon or a failing spear scimitar sword gunpowder. Uh, or a dude, directed energy weapon. I mean, the weapon improves, but it's that same fall in nature, cane, kill, and able. And then with technological advancements, kings can track more people. Uh, 2 BC, Augustus Caesar wanted to have a worldwide tracking system called the census, the tax enrollment. If he could have had 5G and cell phones and facial recognition software, he'd have been tempted to use that, right? And so uh, as they get bigger, the king of England was the biggest. He was a globalist. He was a George Soros, Klaus Schwab, one world government guy with him at the top, America's founders, did not like that. So they broke away and flipped it and made the people the king. So America is a polarity change in the flow of power. Set it top down, it's bottom up. And the word citizen is Greek. It means co-king. So kings have subjects who are subjected to their will. Uh, republics have citizens. So in the, in the monarchy... Uh, Romans chapter 13 says you submit to the authority. Well, in America, the people are the king. And um, and so uh, subjects submit. Uh, citizens give consent. And so it's a top-down versus bottom-up. And so, so in America, it's the people that are the king. It's a great blessing, but it's a great responsibility because if things go south, it's all the people that refuse to get involved's fault. <laughs> so... Um, that's where I come up with uh, the concept. Well, of, well Bill, I have a question for you. I'm, I'm, uh, I, don't, I don't claim to be a historian at all, but, but on one hand. On the other, if, if Americans have been treated the same as British citizens in terms of the way the government treated them, taxation, uh, and so forth, uh, with no difference, would there have been the rebellion that we, that we saw or would there not? Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. Uh, that was one of the big issues that the colonies had zero representation in Parliament. Uh, Many of the Founding Fathers wrote about that. Then Franklin went over there and testified at a Privy Council 
uh, that they're, they're, you were, they were taxing the colonies, but the colonies had no representation, so no taxation without representation. Um, exactly. In 1770, the, the British had taken over India, and there was a famine, and the British East India Company was going bankrupt. And so the British did a bailout, and they let the company uh, tax the people of England. Well, they didn't want to be taxed, so they pushed back, and so the the government said, okay, we'll give you a monopoly on your sales to the colonies. It cut out the middleman, it put a whole lot of people out of business in the colonies, and that uh, turned into the Tea Party. The British uh, banned America from printing our own currency. They wanted us to be dependent on them. And then uh, the king insisted on paying all the judges. Now, you think, oh, well, that's a nice thing. We don't have to worry about paying him. No, they knew that your loyalty went with your paycheck. And so we see that now with this pushing of the DEI and the ESG and all of these. Well, I don't want to lose my job, so I'm going to cave. Well, that's what happened. All these judges began to not give the patriots in America a fair trial. They wanted to take Americans and uh, extradite us over to England for trials where everybody knew that you would not get a fair trial. Hold on, Bill. Hold on. We've got, we had a break. We'll be right back. Listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Are you sick of censorship? TLB Talk is the cure. TLB stands for Truth, Liberty, and Balance. We are the newest and most unique social media platform to hit the internet. We were built out of necessity because Big Tech, Big Pharma, and Big Brother are out of control. The only thing bigger than them is when we the people are united. With that vision, TLB Talk was born. Our battlefield is in cyberspace. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. TLB Talk has no hidden agendas, no corporate funding, and we do not sell, trade, or give away any of your information. Our platform runs off of generous donations of members and merchandise profits. So please, check out our site. It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBTalk.com and join the social media revolution. Charles de Gaulle once said, actually, it's difficult to envision in this regard any other criterion, any other standard than gold. Yes, gold, which does not change in nature, which can be made into either bars, ingots, or coins, which has no nationality, and which is considered in all places and all times the immutable and fiduciary value par excellence. So when the question is, why gold? It's simple, my friends. The answer to that question is simply, why not? Like it or not, precious metals will always be the world's reserve currency, even though nations do not define their currency by their worth in, say, gold. Individuals still buy gold and silver to protect themselves from inflation. The more money a nation's central bank pours into the economy, the less value its currency, the dollar is, which means the price of everything else rises. $21 up for a bag of dog food. Seeing that the dollar is cheap, 
That's why the cost of everything goes up. It's because the buying power, the value of the dollar is tanked. It's worth nothing. And the gold that your family would have owned in 1907 will buy at least the same amount of goods, if not far more. William McPhee once stated it's extraordinary how many emotional storms one may weather in safety if one is ballasted with ever so little gold. The truth about money, gold versus cash in a crisis, gold a valuable thing to store, the power of gold in times of crisis, historical sketch of paper currency. Oh, and beware the ides of rare coin dealers and Alan Greenspan's speech on gold and economic freedom. How interesting. I'm going to give you gold and silver in five easy lessons. Seeking out the most efficient and most secure route to owning gold and converting it into widely accepted currency is the next best thing to enjoying gold-backed currency, my friends. In a world of central bankers hell-bent on devaluing our savings, you need to own private gold standard. Contact me, Jeffrey Bennett at Kettle Moraine Limited, by calling our phone number at 602-799-8214. That's 602-799-8214. Sponsored by the Energy Cleaner. I'm picking up a fresh batch. I sold out last week. If you're tired of being tired, you need an Energy Cleaner. Arthritis pain, joint pain, same thing. Check out the Energy Cleaners. Next pads go with them at thelibertyman.com. Visiting with Bill Federer. His website is AmericanMinute.com. I say again, AmericanMinute.com. We're talking about um, one of his books. It is titled "Who Is King in America." The subtitle is, and who are the counselors to the king? An overview of 6,000 years of history, why America is unique. Bill, you're on the way to the airport, so we got a lot of uh, ambient noise from uh, automobile and wind noise. So we'll manage it. How long do we have you with us, sir? Um, well, I'll probably be at the airport in uh, the next uh, five, ten minutes. Okay, but, well, uh, we'll take that five or ten minutes. And um, anyway, Bill, uh, this book, uh, an overview of 6,000 years of history, and you make the statement that uh, why America is unique. Can you give us a, a quick uh, summary of why America is unique in the 6,000 years of history? Yeah, so the people get to be king with the little K over their own life, and you, we together are king in the country. So uh, from the beginning of time, Nimrod, uh, Pharaoh, Caesar, Kaiser, Sultan, Tsars, uh, the, the uh, kings rule top down through fear, and they use the. A king is basically a glorified gang leader. So the default setting for human government is gangs. If we were to get rid of all laws tomorrow, there'd be gangs. Good gangs, bad gangs, but uh, there would be gangs. And then a gang leader with enough weapons, we call a king. And and that's the norm. Uh, and what uh, America is is where the people are king. So instead of it being ruled top down, it's bottom up. They got their idea from the New England pastors who got their idea from the Reformation and the Bible, what part of the Bible, that first 400 years out of Egypt before King Saul is called the Hebrew Republic. And so around 
1400 BC, millions of Israelites come out of Egypt. And for 400 years, there's no king. Really? And it works because everybody's taught the law and everybody's personally accountable to God to follow the law. You're about to steal. Nobody's around. You know you can get away with it. And then you think, God's watching me. He wants me to be fair. He's going to hold me accountable. Maybe I should hesitate stealing. Create something in your head called a conscience. If everybody in the country believes this, you can maintain complete order with no police. But if you, after 400 years, the priests stopped teaching the law and you had Levites with concubines who were getting raped to death. You have the high priest Eli, his own sons, who are sleeping with women in the very tent where the Ark of the Covenant is. Another Levite with a silver graven image. And then it turns into this chaos. And they all go to Samuel the prophet and they say the self-government system is not working. We want to be like the other countries. We want a king. And the Lord told Samuel, they did not reject you. They rejected me. God's original plan for 400 years was for the Israelites not to have a king. Now, why is this story important? Because the kings of Europe looked to the Bible for their authority. But they looked to the King Saul and on part of the Bible, the divine right of kings. The Calvinist Puritans and Baptists and Presbyterians that settled New England, they looked to the pre-King Saul period of the Bible. There's 400 years, millions of people, no king. Everybody taught the law and everybody personally accountable to God to follow it. So King Saul, in a sense, is the divider between England and America. And um, now, uh, if the people, if citizens are king, what if what if they, um, a gang leader, right, a global gang leader, uh, wants to take the power back? Does he just ask for it? And people aren't in a hurry to give up control of their life. So there's two methods in which the king can take the power back. One is fear. If you can get an entire population into fear, they'll panic, and they'll be willing to surrender their authority to somebody to save them. And then in the process, they're transitioning from a bottom-up form of government to a top-down. There's the Bible story of the Israelites during this 400-year period of the Hebrew Republic being attacked. And they all go to Jephthah and uh, say, you be our captain. And he's like, why are you coming to me? I'm an, I'm an officer. You kicked me out of town. They go, yeah, but you know how to fight. So we'll submit to you <laughs> and make you our captain. And um, and so then uh, what happens is is you, they get delivered. That's a good thing. But then the king has kids and grandkids are, are love their position of power, but they're not good rulers and they get oppressive. And then um, they get, want to get rid of that bad king and then they get another guy and it's just king after king after king after king the, the brilliance of the of, of America is to get rid of a king and not let the rubber band snap back to another king and right. by having the people have morals and um, so so the first way is fear you get an entire population into fear um, and, and the Machiavelli idea is that if there are no natural occurring crises you create crises and, um, and then the, the socialist tactic is you not only create crisis, you blame the crisis on your political opponents. Right? So you project it upon them. It's a narcissistic response where the attacker blames the victim. Uh, a little kid, I didn't start the fight, you did. So when somebody's in the Bible, there's uh, Joseph in Egypt and Potiphar's wife was lusting after him. Uh, but yet Potiphar's wife accused jo- Joseph of lusting after her. Right. So, so they right. do the crime, but they want to blame you for it. And it's gotten into politics. And um, so they'll create a destabilization or a problem in a country. And now the, the, it's perfected in, 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 in uh, police enforcement. It's called entrapment. Right. And so you have um, I was 
just at a conference out here in Phoenix with uh, Charlie Kirk and Turning Point, and one of the speakers was uh, James, Dr. James Lindsay, and he's written several books on socialism, and he said uh, from what he studied, uh, they want to, they're, they're, they're building a scenario, and they're calling anybody who's a normal Christian a Christian nationalist, right. uh, if, and then they are going to have FBI people uh, infiltrate churches and try to egg them on to do something violent. Well, you're, then, you're putting that future tense. It's already happened. The FBI has had uh, people going to Catholic churches already, so it's not a future event. It's already taking place. Yeah, yeah. And so the, the next step is to actually have some violence and to have and blame it on uh, Christian nationalists, right? Now, the nationalists are nationalism is the opposite of globalism. So all those that want a one-world government hate people that want to preserve their nation. So nationalism is the opposite of globalism. Uh, number two, nationalism depends on what nation you're in. If you're in a socialist country like um, the, the Nazis, National so- Socialist Workers' Party, or the USSR, Na- Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, nationalism is bad because those nations do not guarantee rights to the individuals. In our nation, we have rights from a creator that the government's job is to protect and it's government from the consent of the governed. And so in our nation, we empower the individual. And so over here, we want to preserve that nation. So nationalism depends on what nation you're in. And then um, they want to, uh, I do not know any pro-life organization that calls itself anti-abortion. Yet the left-wing media always wants to call pro-life organizations anti-abortion. Why do they do that? Why don't they call them the name that they want to be called? Because they know anti is a negative label. So I do not know any Christians, patriots, that call themselves nationalists. It's them wanting to impose this foreign label that nobody heard of until two or three years ago. Why do they want to impose this new label on people that are normal Christians that want to preserve their nation where there's guaranteed rights to the individual? Because they want to malign them. And so uh, Christian nationalism used to be called Christian patriotism, and every president, Democrat, and Republican encouraged it. Lincoln's inaugural address says intelligence, patriotism, Christianity are still competent to adjust in the best way all our present difficulty. He mentions uh, patriotism and Christianity right next to each other in his inaugural. Uh, You have uh, uh, Franklin Roosevelt passing out Gideon's New Testaments and Book of Psalms to all the soldiers in World War II. He says, the whole world is divided between pagan brutality and the Christian ideal. We choose human freedom, which is the Christian ideal. He says um, that preservation of these rights is vitally important to the whole future of Christian civilization. Right? So FDR was an Episcopalian, and uh, and so he was uh, a Christian, and he wanted to preserve our nation. Uh, and so it's uh, ironic that the left would want to call this uh Democrat president who had been in office for 12 years a Christian nationalist, right? Uh, in 1965, 93% of Americans identified as Christian. 1965, right, 93% right. identified as Christian. Um, that was 69% Protestant, 24, 25% Catholic. And then there were 3% of the country was Jewish. So we, we literally had 96% of the country that was Judeo-Christian that believed in the Bible. Yet today, it's down to uh, 69% identify as Christian. So 93 down to 69. But 69 is still a majority. Right. And so uh, uh, what's happened is they have done a coup where they're a minority of uh, extremists, and they've 
usurped. They, they basically did fraudulent election, which is anybody that studies the, the Cold War knows that this last election fits the pattern of what we did and what the KGB did would do, would do to countries all around the world during the Cold War, right? Uh, you would um, they'd go into a country and do what's called critical theory where they'd identify all the groups, ethnically, Bosnians, Croats, Serbs, religiously, Sunni, Shia, Orthodox. They would identify uh, economic differences, and they would call some victims and others oppressors. I mean, even Karl Marx in his book talked about the oppressed and the oppressors. And um, and so they, they identify these groups, and then they stir them up against each other. It's like introducing an autoimmune disease into the body politic. You get the, the body to attack itself from the inside, and it weakens it. And then they co-opt the media to blame the leader of the country for all the problems. And when this leader falls in popularity, that's when they do a coup or a rigged election and replace the leader with a Soviet puppet. And so it's called color revolutions. You're, you know all about it. Right, um, right. But they, they've, uh, the CIA's did it, and then the KGB did it. And, and all Obama did was take those tactics that were used on foreign soil and now use it on our soil. Um, and so uh, they used to go over to those countries – and organize the resistance. But then once you had Facebook and social media, all they had to do was, was co-op that. And so Obama did that to overthrow pro-Western leaders in the Middle East and have them replaced with Muslim Brotherhood people. And so, but, but now these tactics are being used against us on our own soil, but they have to get control of the media, um, to, to carry out their narrative. Um, so, uh, uh, so, so that's the, what, what James Lindsay was talking about. He goes, you know, from studying socialism and their tactics, uh, there's a good chance that they will try to do some violent thing and blame it on Christians so that they can do their maligning of saying anybody that's a normal Christian that loves their country is now uh, a Christian nationalist, right? And, and they want to malign them. So it's sort of like the Whitmer uh, kidnapping where you got these FBI guys and they, they uh, basically plan and plot the kidnapping of this Governor Whitmer. They want to blame it on a bunch of low IQ guys that thought they were going right. out for years. Um, right. so, the, so they plan it, they do it, but they want to get the media to blame their opponents for it. They, they create the pain, and then they channel the media to blame the, the problems on their political opponents. There's nothing new about that. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, a Vietnam vet named Scott Camille, he was charged with the, by the federal government with conspiracy to commit some violent crime. It turned out that uh, among the men that were at these meetings, Scott was the only one who was not a federal uh, uh, agent. So he'd be together with six guys, eight guys, and he'd be the only one who was not uh, a federal agent. And he was able to prove that in court and, and of course, exonerated from these alleged conspiracy things. And that was more than half a century ago. So there's nothing new about this, Bill. Yeah, yeah. So it... um... But Jesus says wheat and tares grow together till the harvest, or you're always going to have bad people doing bad things, and and it's up to the good people to do the good things. And um, uh, and one of the stories we love best in the Bible is where the God's people are in hopeless situations, and He uses little nobodies to do uh, uh, big, you know, turn things around. And so this is just our our choice. So I think it is our choice. Well, Bill, we have an election coming up in, uh, the first Tuesday of November this year. And uh, what I'm recommending people do is uh, encourage their state to have paper ballots with a carbon copy counted at the precinct level. All voting take place in one day, in one day and no mail-in ballots. Uh, if we could do that, we would come a long way towards a free and fair election, wouldn't we? 
Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's the answer. If we can't have a fair election, our whole process is why campaign at all? Why do if you if you can't get that? Well, I mean, I you helped me, but uh, I ran for Congress uh, several times, and each time on election night, uh, there was electricity going down and um, and problems uh, that they basically planned ahead of time. I was in Ohio oh, yeah. last week, and somebody says, "Yeah, they worked election for ten years." This the last election to 20, um, 2020, Somebody came to the polling place and said, we need you to put this flash drive in each of the machines so that, um, you know, we can, uh, make sure all the information is correct. And, um, and then lo and behold, that's what they, um, uh, they, um, uh, sorry. Um, that's what they, they do. But anyway, we just made it to the airport. So, um, okay. Well, Bill, we appreciate you taking the time as you travel to be with us and, have a great flight. Be safe, and we'll look forward to having you back next Wednesday, sir. All right. Appreciate you, John. Okay. okay. And God bless all those who are viewing. Thank you, Bill. All right. All right. That's my friend Bill Federer. His website is AmericanMinute.com. I say again, AmericanMinute.com. Great guy. I've known Bill since uh, 1998 when he first ran for Congress. Okay. Um, <laughs> and Bill's on his way. All right. Uh, we got our, our last break this hour coming up, and... Um, we, we can continue with a, a, a summary of what happened with the Tet Offensive. Uh, it's made reference to frequently. It, it was a, um, uh, a major event uh, that will be studied for decades into the future. Uh, what went wrong? What went right? Uh, General Westmoreland filed a civil lawsuit against CBS, by the way, and, and I don't recall the outcome of it, but uh, he was attempting to exonerate himself. Um, and... I, I put the I put the blame of the what happened at the, at the Ted Offensive directly at the feet of General Westmoreland and his intelligence staff. Uh, I was getting information from both the uh, classified documents from both the CIA and uh, the Army intelligence, and the CIA got it right. They were warning us. They knew what was going to happen. Army intelligence, uh, under the direction of General Westmoreland, did not, and that's 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 in fact what did happen, and. Um, I don't know what happened to our break. It should have been here by now. But uh, um, I lost friends during the Ted Offensive. Um, and um, uh, it's I, I, I was in some pretty heavy combat. And uh, it, it's you know, we were not prepared. That's the bottom line. We could have been prepared. We weren't prepared. And uh, I don't know what happened to the break. Uh, but uh, there it is. We'll be right back. February is Heart Month, and every year, Extendivite has a sale. This year is no different. Extendivite is regularly $69.95 plus shipping and handling for a two-month supply. In February, Extendivite is only $57.50 for a two-month supply plus shipping and handling. Extendivite is a combination of garlic, cayenne, hawthorn, bilberry, ginkgo biloba, valerian, and milk thistle. These ingredients work synergistically to improve your overall health. 
So don't delay. Join the Extendivite family today. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Extendovite. Standing six foot four, weighing 245 pounds of crime-fighting, political science, analyzing brawn. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Patrick Slattery. So Mike, get off this anti-cicada agenda. I'm a born-again traditional Christian, and my favorite possessions are right here on my nightstand. That would be the King James Bible and my 357 revolver. I'd rather be ruled by Chinamen than Jews. Cool it with the anti-Semitic remarks, right? Just because you steal an election and terminate the republic doesn't mean you terminate the people in the republic, because we're still here. I'm not taking the vaccine. F*** you, Bill Gates. There was a way forward still on January 6th. What needed to be done is to object to every single state. The COVID-19 virus was the setup. The vaccine could very well be a bioweapon. The Patrick and Jeremy Show, Tuesday at 9 Central and Wednesday at 1 Central. Here's some interesting news. Due to all the recent claims about possible nuclear wars, viruses, solar flares, and civil unrest, people are scrambling to prepare and stockpile food. But the one thing out of reach for many is an underground bunker. Until now. Because you can now have a 3D printed underground bunker in just one day. An excavator digs a hole in your backyard, and 3dbunkers.com shows up in a small truck and sets up their 3D printer under a tent completely undetected. They can print as many rooms as you want at a fraction of the cost compared to traditional metal bunkers. 3D Bunkers uses polymer concrete, which is five times stronger than regular cement. YouTube 3DBunkers.com and watch the video. The creators of 3D Bunkers is looking for a business partner that can help bring this technology to the world. And we need to protect our way of life without living in fear. Contact Brad at 3DBunkers.com for more details or visit 3DBunkers.com. to summarize my thoughts on the Tet Offensive that I was part of. Uh, I've quickly determined that the U.S. Army was not going to get us properly prepared for the up- oncoming, upcoming Tet Offensive. So I took personal initiative. I was encouraged my buddies to, uh, when your parents sent them the, uh, when the parents sent them that um, different foods, uh, such as a fruit cake, for example, don't throw it away. Keep that fruit cake. I've, I had a footlocker full of food. Uh, at the beginning of the Tet Offensive. Ammunition, we couldn't get ammunition from the Army. Believe it or not, we could not get ammunition. Um, myself and two other guys, we volunteered to help the Air Force one night. They thought they were going to be attacked at, at Bintui Airfield, about 10 miles away, and we volunteered to do 
perimeter duty at the most vulnerable point on their perimeter. Our reward was as much ammunition as we could carry. And once that night was over, and so that was about 200 rounds each and of 7.62 NATO ammunition. And I, I brought that back with me. And um, you know, the morning of the Tet Offensive, you know, at the request of my first sergeant, I distributed that ammunition to the guys who did not have any. We had men who did not have any ammunition. We had men that did not have magazines for their rifles. It was it was horrible. It was horrible. We had enough C-ration meals to feed every man one meal if they split one C-ration meal between them. That's all the food we had, except for what we saved up, of course. And um, we got through it. It was not easy. It was touch and go. For As I mentioned, those first three days were pretty tough. I didn't sleep any of those first three days at all. I, I'll tell you, if you haven't gone three days without sleep, you don't know what it's like, and uh, I don't recommend it, but your mind starts playing games with you, and I don't care how smart you are, how tough you are, your mind will be playing games with you that third day. Um, and um, by the beginning of the fourth day, American firepower basically devastated the Viet Cong and the North Vietnamese Army and up in I-Corps, maybe some of them down in corps um, and that, that battle, the Tet Offensive went on for several months, quite frankly, before it was declared to be over. Um, the uh, U.S. Marines up in I-Corps, they had uh, a real tough time there in the old uh, uh, imperial city of, uh, of Way, H-U-E. Um, street, street battles, house-to-house fighting, it was tough. And uh, I have a lot of a lot of respect for the U.S. Marines. They're, they're smart. They're tough. They're, they're the real deal when it comes to being alpha male warriors. But uh, I, I know that there's a lot of references made to a, a coming Tet Offensive as a way to just let people know how serious it could be. My friend Dave Hodges makes this reference occasionally, and uh, and others. Um, you know, will there be another Tet Offensive? Um, well, I think we're being set up for something similar. I really do. Um, here's our top of the hour break. We'll be back with Professor James McCann. What would you say if I told you we have a new tool that will increase production and lower maintenance costs for your meat processing company, and it would pay for itself in just six weeks? When pigs fly! The new Ease-Off Model EZ4 replaces old spring-style carcass droppers and is faster, safer, and more reliable. The Ease-Off lowers or lifts 1,000 pounds to or from your rail automatically using our remote control. Sounds expensive. Can I afford it? Can you afford not to try the Ease-Off? 
It installs fast with just three bolts in place of your current dropper. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue and injuries, speed up your line, eliminate downtime, and increase profit. How can I order my EaseOff? Go to EaseOff.com, E-A-Z-E-O-F-F.com. And hurry, because we are offering $200 off on the new Easy 4 for a limited time. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC. Summersville, Missouri. 417-932-6419. You can't handle the truth. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit republicbroadcasting.org today because you can handle the truth.